Hello and welcome into the Tim Talks Sports Podcast. My name is Tim and today we're going to be talking about sports. A little bit up top, we've got a back catalog of Tim Talks Sports. Go back and check that out. Bump them ratings up. Help me out. Also, Tim Talks Broncos, same deal. We talked about the cornerback situation in the last episode, which has since been resolved. That's a lie. We talked about Tyreek Hill the last episode, which is still amazing. Also, Tim Talks Movies has been out two weeks in a row. We've got The Batman two weeks ago, and last week we've got Deep Water. Deep Water's terrible. I just shout into the ether. Don't really like it all that much. Um, but the podcast was fun. So give that a look see. Make sure that you followed me on Tim Talks Pod on Twitter. And yeah, let's get on with it. So the Nuggets played what was, in fact, a playoff game last night. Apologies for recording this today on Friday instead of last night on Thursday. I recorded a one-hour version of the show last night, and I started editing it, and it was really bad. It was terrible. I was exhausted. The game was emotionally draining, and I, I didn't put out a good product. So now I'm back here this morning. It'll be less length than the one that I produced last night, but that's also okay. So what happened last night? Last, what happened last night is okay. The Phoenix Suns are the best team in the league. They're the most complete team in the league. They don't have a roster hole. The Nuggets have a roster hole. They actually have two roster holes. The Suns don't have one. They don't have a roster hole. Even when they did with Chris Paul, the combination of the skill of the nine other players in that rotation, the eight other players in that rotation, I'm not sure if Alfred Payton got time. He probably did. They probably needed a, a second point guard or Aaron Holiday. Anyways, the combination of the other players in that rotation picked it up. And man, can they, right? Jay Crowder, 4 of 7 from 3. Mikhail Bridges, 3 of 4. Devin Booker, 2 of 5 from 3. 16 of 25 overall with 49 points. Now, did he get to the line cheaply at times to the point where Nuggets vets looked at him and said, Come on, man. You're being a bitch. Yeah. Yeah, that happened. That actually occurred. They didn't use that language, but there was definitely a conversation about how he was being a flopping little fish. It's okay. You got 49 points in his team one. This is the best team in basketball. The Nuggets lost shorthanded. I mean, I hate that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. continued to show up in the pregame injury report because it's like, we know. Stop mentioning it. It sounds like we're using it as an excuse. But the reality is, is that the Nuggets have two holes. We'll go into a few things where maybe one of those holes is really just mismatched a lineup construction. We'll check that out. We're going to check out all the Nuggets. My notes are gone, which is awesome. That's what happens when you close your computer and you don't save notes. I had, I had a lot of notes, but we'll just kind of freewheel it. See how that goes. So in the first quarter, it was a run-and-gun offense. It was a run-and-gun game. The Nuggets came out wanting to push the attack and to not allow the Suns to get set in their defense. Didn't work. I mean, it worked to a certain extent. The, the Nuggets pressed like a seven-point lead. You know, they were up. But it, in reality, it did not work because the sloppiness of the game, I mean, it, it set the tone. They were throwing the ball away. Nikola Jokic had eight turnovers again. That can't happen, man. Can't happen. The first quarter wound up being a tie. They tied two quarters. The fourth was the pivotal quarter. Obviously, it was the one that broke us. There were several things that I noticed from that quarter that broke us specifically. 
One, if you go back and you watch the game or you watch the game last night, Bones Island had, had a hell of a first half. In 19 first half points. He came back in the second half and he scored four in the, in the third, which is, you know, fine. Four in three minutes, usually. We'll take that. But the fourth quarter, uh, his first stint in the fourth, I don't know if he recorded a shot. It seemed like either he lost courage, which doesn't seem like Bones, or someone told him to pass more. Someone told him, made, made a sly comment about how he got jammed up in traffic at the end of the third quarter. Somebody made a comment about, you know, if you passed more, you wouldn't get stuck in that situation. But the reality is, he got stuck in that situation. His shot-making ability got him out of a bad situation. His shot-making ability can get him out of any situation. It could have gotten us to victory, but he stopped shooting the basketball, which stagnated the offense. There were four or five possessions in a row where he took the ball down and picked up his dribble before he knew what he was going to do with the ball. Maybe they pressured him. Maybe I just didn't see a noticeable difference in the defense. It didn't seem like it. They're a tough defense. They play tough defense the whole time. It's not like they just play defense every once in a while. You know, they're a tough defense. That was that was the most troubling part for me is Bones' lack of aggression with Nikola Jokic off the court. Him relying on four players who are not as good as him. He needs to own the basketball court when he is the best player on it. And he did the first half. He was so hot. And then the third quarter, he made two shots. Perfectly acceptable. Two shots. We went into the fourth with a lead. He just he didn't do it in the fourth quarter, the most important time. He asked Austin Rivers to do it. He asked Davon Reed to do it. He asked Jermichael Green to do it. He asked Boogie Cousins to do it. And Boogie Cousins had a night. He was fine. But in reality, this is this is Bones Highland's moment. He can either be with the guys next year, or he can continue to be part of a part of this that sec. He can push himself to an all rookie level, or he can remain on the fringes of a of a thirty person first round draft. You know, I mean, sorry, I mean you're not you're not one of the ten best players in a thirty player draft. Come on, Bones. Again, I don't know that it's his fault necessarily. It seemed like it was a directive, like somebody made a dickhead comment. Other things that affected the fourth quarter were a lack of defense, right? Devin Booker scored at will, you know, and it didn't really matter all too much the defense that was played on him because he made fadeaways, he made turnarounds, he beat people off the dribble, but he was allowed to enter the paint way too much. The guy made two three-pointers, right? So he made 43 non-three-pointer points. The rest of that came from the rest of that came from dribbling into the paint, drawing contact, and making good shots. They're just they're just not tough enough. Like the when the bench is in, you feel a certain way. You see a certain aspect of the game that isn't there the rest of the time. There's a toughness to that bench team that there just isn't to the starters. And it is an aspect of our God King that needs to improve because he goes from zero to one hundred. He doesn't know how to just play tough. Well, he obviously does. But there is playing tough without fouling. When he, an official go round and round, he gets pissed off and just hard fouls everyone. Now, they didn't call a bunch of them last night because they were letting the team go. But interior defense in the fourth quarter was another thing. Also, we, we can go back to our old favorites. I mean, congratulations, Michael Malone, on getting your contract extension. 
Monty Williams outcoaches you every time he sees you. Just every fucking time. And this time, he didn't have to do anything. He put his best players out there, and you decided to play what you call positionless basketball. That phrase doesn't mean what you think it means, right? I think you're having an inconceivable moment. Okay, positionless basketball means that a center can play, bring the ball up the court and play point guard, which Nikola Jokic does. It doesn't mean that a six foot one point guard can cover a six foot six small forward with freakishly long arms. Mikhail Bridges is not a cover for Bones Highland. He just flat out is not. It's absurd that you put him out there. I should amend that statement. I thought it was good that you put Bones Highland out there, but the fact that you replace Jeff Green with him is is absolutely absurd. Mikhail Bridges, he had a good night. He didn't kill you. Eight and nine of shooting from Mikhail Bridges, man. That's fucking nuts. Jeff Green, you are fun sometimes, but man, you just can't play defense anymore. That's why I do wonder if we have the wrong greens in the wrong places. Now, you take toughness away from the bench. I do understand that. Jeff Green is not a tough player. He's a Jokic ball player. Cuts, pretty game, shoot the three. Pass, pass, shoot. He plays a very beautiful game style, like Nikola Jokic does. But there's no toughness to these possessions. Jermichael Green brings toughness to a team. And if you put Jermichael Green alongside Jokic, you protect that paint better. And you can defend Mikhail Bridges while Bones Highland is on the floor. In the final stretches of a game, it's pretty obvious that Will Barton is the one who shouldn't be on the floor. He makes mental mistakes, he eats clock with dribbling, and uh, he's a terrible defender. You know, it's just, it's pretty obvious that, that that time has come. Will it ever know? Because Will Barton has that locker room, hook, line, and sinker. And he, the box score looks great, right? They didn't play defense. The Suns didn't play defense. We didn't play defense. Everybody scored at high percentages, except for our free throw percentage, which is shit. They just scored a little bit more than we did because they had higher percentages. They were able to access the paint without remorse. This isn't going to cost us the season. This is okay. But the reality is, is that we are not at this level this year. We can still go to the playoffs and make noise. Right now, we're slated against the Warriors. We've beat the Warriors this year. Three times we've beaten them. We've beaten them three of four times this year. That is a team that we can match up with. Just flat out the ability of our players and the age of theirs, the Nuggets can go in as an underseed and take from the Warriors. Will they? I don't know. But they can. They are physically capable of it. So the the season's not in doubt, right? We knew what this season was going to be. We hoped it would be different as far as Michael Porter Jr. returning to play, or just not being hurt in general. That's the actual aspiration. We hope that Michael Porter Jr. would rise to the level of All-Star this year, that he would shoot 45% from three and continue to be one of the best and most efficient players in basketball. It's unlikely. If you watch the trend from the last eight games of last year in the postseason, it was unlikely that he was going to continue that unless he made alterations to his game. He needs Jamal Murray. A billion percent needs him. Because with Jamal Murray, Monte's done great, but people will help off of him, even at their own peril. I mean, Monte has been shooting the ball well in March, but they people will help off of him. Big Monte guy. I 100% think that he shouldn't be the guy that gets bumped from the from the rotation. So. Bryn Forbes, man. Speaking of getting bumped, Bryn got bumped last night. Davon Reed. It's obvious to me why I don't think it's permanent. It can't be. I mean, Michael Malone has payroll and roster consideration to make. 
Davon Reed exceeds a certain amount of minutes, they have to release someone. Bye bye Vlaco Chanchar, which which sucks because everybody loves Vlaco. He's this team's cheerleader, and we're we're big Vlaco guys. Now he's played. Don't get me wrong. I think the kid can play. Can he start? Probably not. But he doesn't fuck up. He doesn't make mistakes. This team can make noise. Didn't even talk about the officials. How about that? How about that? All right. Uh, let's move on from this game. You know, it is what it is. We played the Celtics and the Suns two or three games, and they're both really fucking good. In this game, this game felt like we had it. And then it slipped away because of a few things. I'm missing major beats, but I'm just trying to stay away from the officiating. Chris Paul, man, I fucking hate that guy. The last show I did, I did a segment about how I hate members of the Suns. Let's do that really fast. That was just good old-fashioned fun. I hate Chris Paul. Man, is he a high-pitched, bitchy motherfucker. Does he cry like anybody you've ever heard? What a fucking pussy. That guy cries like crazy. I hate Chris Paul. He is the single most annoying player in basketball. You know, a guy like James Harden, a guy like Joel Embiid, they they take a lot of free throw shots. And that's a little annoying because our guy doesn't get them. But, I mean, they don't go whining, bitching and stuff. They're they're obviously decent folk. Chris Paul is a fuckhead. I cannot stand that guy. Guy is absolutely annoying. Squealing and screeching. What a fuck. Last night he got, you know, they say that bitching to officials about calls won't actually get them to overturn them. Last night he single-handedly overturned one call and then generated a call post-play by bitching. Insane. The craziest thing I've seen in my life. Now, he bitched. There was a play, that an out-of-bounds playoff. Jeff Green's hand went out-of-bounds and clearly out on Jeff Green. So him bitching got officials to overturn a bad call. Whatever. I mean, he shouldn't be able to have that effect on the officials. He clearly does. The second play happened before the that one. A little bit more ridiculous. Jeff Green, Chris Paul are jostling for position while running up the court, offense to defense, defense to offense. And Chris Paul stops, just stops running, and Jeff Green trucks him. Because that's what a six foot eight, two hundred and thirty pound man will do when you stop in front of him and he's running. He fucking trucked him. Like it wasn't malicious. He didn't mean to do it. Chris Paul stopped in front of him. Honestly, I hope he, I wish he would have broken something. I don't wish injuries, but usually, but when you are playing in that manner, I hope it, I hope it comes back at you because in reality, it's the dumbest call in sports. And the fact that like a, like a whole minute passed and there wasn't a call and then a tech was called and then it wasn't double technicals. That's the most crazy part of this is it's not, it wasn't double technicals for bickering and bitching. Chris Paul, no, I mean, he should have gotten teched. It should have been a T on Paul. Didn't cost us the game. That's not why we lost. But man, was that a poorly officiated game. See, we went into it. We went into it anyways. I hate Chris Paul. What a whiny little bitch that fuckstick is. And I hope he retires before that 120 is up. Because man, I don't want to see his ass for the next fucking three years. Um, in reality, I went through the roster last night when I was doing this. And I was like, I kind of like DeAndre Ayton. I, I like Bismack Biombo. I, I definitely like Devin Booker. I like Mikael Bridges, Torrey Craig. I've, I mean, I don't really love watching Jay Crowder play basketball, but I, I, I used to wish he was on the Nuggets. You know, when when he was a Celtic and then a Cav, I, I used to be a pretty pretty big fan of him. You know, I, I hate Javale McGee. I and it, there are things about his play style which people don't like. Obviously, 
that's not why I don't like him. Sure, I disliked that about him when he played for the Nuggets twice. But what I don't like about him is his fucking appearance. The ugliest human since fucking Sam Cassell played in the league. What an ugly piece of shit he is. So hideous. Oh my god, is he hideous. And we have to watch him. The camera does closes up on his face when he's cringing and and uh, he does the boogie frown. He does the boogie mean, you know, that sort of thing. But it's worse. So much worse because he's so ugly. He's such a hideous person. And and he, he's got that fucking grill in his mouth. I just want to fucking knock it out because what an ugly person JaVale McGee is. Also, Masai Ujiri dealt for him. Then gave him a three-year extension that ate up a sixth of the salary cap. And I've never quite gotten over that either. You know, get your money. But in salary cap sports, fans know that it detracts from their ability to win when there are bad contracts. Cameron Payne. This, this is really the... I don't like Dario Sarge that much either. And I'm nothing Landry Shamit. But Cameron Payne, I absolutely hate. Does it stem from the four-game series last summer? Yes, it absolutely does. He has gone to the school of Chris Paul. Now it says he is six foot one hundred and eighty-three. I mean that's bullshit. He does not weigh more than Chris Paul. He's like a hundred fucking pounds sucking what? This guy is well, he's ugly, first off. He's fucking ugly. Um, but he went to the school of Chris Paul. Man, oh man, does he fucking go flying like he got hit by King Kong every time there's a foul. Fucking hate that. What a bitch. Hate that so much. I mean, just play the fucking game. It is so awful to watch. I, you know what? It may not make our team better that we aren't flopping little fucking bitches, but I, I'm so glad that we're not. And when Nicola does antics, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. But he doesn't do it to the point that it looks ridiculous. Campaign coming into contact, air quotes, contact with Will Barton and then falling down. Just just, just falling over. Just launching himself in an opposite direction. Just flying to trying to sell the foul. Absolutely absurd. I can't believe that he, he gets to play basketball. It should be a fucking... You should get a license. You, have, should, you should have to be licensed by the fans. Not by your own fans. Because, of course, they're going to blow campaign. But, dear God, I cannot stand watching him play basketball. We're really blessed, man. I mean, Nikola Jokic... Watching him play basketball is amazing. Watching the Nuggets play ball is pop in basketball is beautiful. I'm really glad we don't have to watch. Even though, look, the Sixers, they're not a better team than we are, but they'll make it further in the postseason. So that's just the East for all of people saying how strong it is. It's not. It's not that strong. It's solid. It's more solid than it has been in past years, but there's no top heaviness to it, right? There's nobody at the top that's waiting. I think. A lot of people might even say that a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, who is now in second place, for a while they were residing in sixth place, but because of the losing of some of the other teams, like let's look at the league. Look at all the <laughs> uh, look at all those Western Conference teams up top. And it's not even close. It's not. It's crazy. Anyways, this the Sixers will go further than the Nuggets will this year, even though I, I don't believe they're a better team. The Nuggets play a tougher schedule. They, they just do. And in the postseason, the Nuggets might make it out of the first. They probably won't make it out of the second. Although they need to do their best to stay out of the five or the eight. Six or seven's fine. Fuck a play-in. We'll win that game.
But if you stay in that six or seven, you line yourself up for Memphis in the second round, and I think that they can beat Memphis. Certainly don't want to play the Suns. There was a point that I was going to in that, and I kept getting distracted by standings. Oh, well. I love the national narrative this morning. Everybody's saying, you know, they're dogging Nicola for a loss against the best team in the league, which I don't know that he deserves to be the MVP. Is he the best player in basketball? He 1 billion percent is. And you're wrong if you think otherwise. But can the most valuable player, who has a solid, not great team around him, come from a sixth place team? I, I, I don't think so. The fact that it's happened before is crazy to me. I don't know. I know that he will get a lot of votes this year. And if he gets MVP, I'm going to be ecstatic. I do love this idea that we've all talked ourselves into where if he doesn't win, it's like an insult. If he is the second best player in basketball, it is somehow a disgrace to him. Is he the best player in basketball? Yeah. But if he doesn't win the MVP, it's going to be fine. We'll have two all-stars back, two all-star caliber players back next year, and he'll win one then. The fact is that we are fine. This year, it's probably not championship or bust. If it was, we probably would have made a move at the deadline. This year is about going as far as we can with this group and then improving the team in the offseason. I do wish that Michael Malone was a better coach. He is a great coach of humans. He is great with people. He is a great author of this story. But in-game management, what actually fucking matters, not the story, not the narratives, in game play, he is not. I mean, smarter people have called him a top 10 coach. I, I just don't agree with that. Has he affected this year in a positive way? Yes, because he's kept morale up. He's kept team dissension away. He's kept players on the path. But the in game decisions are just, they're bad. They're bad. Anyways, we're, let's, let's get out of Nuggets talk. I'm um, going to briefly go over a couple of things that happened the last few days uh, as far as. Rockies and Rams. Ezekiel Tovar, if you guys haven't watched a game and you're Rockies fans, a lot of them are free on on MLB, uh, the app. Watch a game with Ezekiel Tovar in it. Now now that I've said that, he'll strike out four times, but he's hit two dongs, uh, batting average over 600, OPS over 1,700. The guy's on fire. He's he's really good. Um, So go ahead and, and watch that. It's really impressive. The Rockies also made a trade last night. Randall Gritchuk. Um, they traded away a player who was five foot six. I hear he's he was a good player, but he was five foot six. So the reality of that panning out not tremendous. Only one player is that height in Major League Baseball that's been a Hall of Fame level level player that I'm aware of. So they sent out. I think his name's Adam Pinto and Rymel Tapia. I forgot to mention the Rymel Tapia portion of that trade. So they sent out those two players receiving Randall Grichuk. Now Randall Grichuk is not a savior. This team is still going to lose 80-85 games. That being said, the team is the team is better for having him on the on there. Two reasons why. Defensively. The Rockies went out and made a move. Chris Bryant, they made a move to sign a player that plays Rymel Tapia's position. Has Tap played center field yet? But you don't feel comfortable with that. He he can't play right field. He doesn't have the cannon for it. And you're not gonna keep him to just play DH. So Tap's time was pretty clearly over. I thought they were going to non-tender him in the fall last year, but this is clearly the better of the two options. You've traded him, plus a prospect who was not likely to make it, not a premier guy, and you get back a guy who is basically Sam Hilliard, but from the right side of the plate, right? He's a low-average, high-impact player. He crushes the baseball. 
he hits home runs. I think, you know, there is no way to look at this and think that the Rockies got worse. They're also only paying him like like four and a half million a year, which for a productive bat is good. Now, tampering expectations like like Randall Gritchuk played for the Dodgers, he wouldn't be playing, right? They've got three outfielders that are better than him. He is our second best outfielder right now. That's okay. We're not as good as them. We just need timely hitting. And for the pitching staff to be good. We are really we were really done a disservice by losing John Gray. So don't really want to I don't really want to talk about that again. We've had so many conversations about John Gray, but just to lose him for nothing hurts. Especially when okay, so you don't want to upset the balance of the pitching staff because he would have immediately been the highest paid pitcher there. Uh, you've got Gomber due up. You've got Kyle Freeland due up. And you don't want to have to pay them $20 million a season, right? You want to pay them what you're paying Senza, what you're paying Herman. Chump change. You got them for slave wages. So you want to continue to have that in your back pocket. But in reality, are you going to tell me that Alan Trejo is a better... is noticeably worse than Jose Iglesias. Jose Iglesias gets good reviews, but check the stats, man. They're just not there. He's got a reputation for a glove, man. Negative 22 DRS last year. Defensive run saved. Kills that for me. So, those are questions. So, if you if you don't sign Iglesias, you don't sign Cool, there's 8 mil. 8 mil in savings, then you're essentially paying John Gray 8 million this year. I'm not, like, gonna die on the wall of John Gray. I'm not gonna say he's the best pitcher. He, he is one of the guys that got me excited about Rockies baseball again. That draft pick out of Oklahoma that he, I mean, he kind of turned into a girly guy, but he was so intimidating when he came out. He had the short hair and he was just so tough and rugged and now he's kind of John Gray, you know? So, But he, he was so tough. He threw that fastball, almost hit 100. Uh, that, that slider was, was damaging. So excited. So I feel like that was a misstep. Other than that, I think that we have to, those two players, John Gray and Trevor Story, I feel like Billy Schmidt, he's done a, he's done an okay job. We're not going to win this year. That being said, if Ezekiel Tovar comes up, man, we start getting these guys progress where they're skipping levels or they're playing two levels one year, which, you know, Zach Veen's more than capable of going high A to double A this year. Tovar, the same. You see these guys making these big moves. Look out. Colorado State. Um, just a couple of things on Colorado State. Um, got two transfers. Uh, Adam Thistlewood. I, when I did my Farewell Rams podcast, I completely blanked that there's like graduate transfers and fifth-year seniors and stuff like that. I, I just assumed he was done. That was also the assumption of local media, but because they're smarter, they knew like he was going to be a grad assistant, medically retired or whatever. I didn't think that. I thought he'd just be done. I thought he'd move on with his life, but uh, he's going to go transfer someplace else to play basketball one more year, so good for him. Um, the not good for him, I mean, it's it's good for him. He can do whatever he wants. Deshaun Thomas doesn't make a lot of sense to me. He did have his best game in the on the largest stage in the big tournament, March Madness, but I uh, don't know what he's going to do. So the best move in my opinion, is for him to move laterally to a smaller school like the Rams, but that plays more to his strength, that has a big center, and will play him small. We'll play him power forward because he's a stretch four. He doesn't really have the moves to guard center, the size to guard center. 
I mean, he wasn't even taking jumps this year, which is crazy. Crazy that six foot four David Roddy was jumping the ball. Crazy that he won some. <laughs> Anyways, so that that's basically the Rams. I haven't made it up to a practice. I will next week. I will next week. Thanks for checking this show out, guys. Um, that's going to be it for today. Again, check out the past episodes. Tim Talks Sports, Tim Talks Broncos, Tim Talks Movies. They're good. Listen to them. There's evergreen stuff in there. Some. Give it a look-see. Also, follow me on Twitter, Tim Talks Pod. And uh, yeah, I put out I put out a Tim Talks Sports episode after every Nuggets game. Next one will be on Saturday night. I put a Tim Talks Broncos episode out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, so check those shows out when they come out, please. Uh, y'all have yourselves a great day, night, whenever the fuck you listen to this. Peace.